0: To the Triage Method Podcast Q and A edition with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. I made up this question this week. Just by the way, I'm going to be completely transparent about that. Following some observations of my uh, colleagues, fellow fitness professionals, um, along with, uh, to be fair questions that I did get from people about the kind of home programming stuff in this time. So basically, I'm going to lay out some context. If you're listening to this in the future, we are recording this um, at the time of COVID-19 global pandemic. You may have been one of few survivors on planet Earth who actually managed to recover this content um, after our global infrastructure, including Apple Podcasts, crashed. So if you're listening from the year 3000, hello. Um, We used to actually care about things like physical training and stuff. You know, they probably won't have to care about that then, you know, they'll just be
1: robots or some shit. But anyway, survival and shit. They have to care about food. Yeah, you know? just that stuff, you know. Yeah.
0: Uh, but anyway, yeah. So at this time, obviously everyone is aware, unless you don't have the social medias, that home workouts, et cetera, are all the go and I am a big supporter of that. I believe that you know personal trainers should be mostly supporting each other during this time and saying, look, um, we can all kind of play our role in trying to help people stay fit, stay active, um, stay healthy physically and psychologically um, at this time. So that's all good. Great. Included in that whole thing is the fact that a lot of people are moving beyond their gym environment and moving, whether it be outdoors or in the home or online exercise classes are a thing that some people have been doing. Basically, people are trying to find alternative ways uh, to stay active. Um, And personally, I, in in terms of like my own background, what my school of thought related to exercise has mostly been, like when I came into the fitness industry and what my thought process has been for most of the time, it's always been related to kind of gym stuff for the most part like in recent years have become more interested in things like conditioning and you know like applying all of this to sports and stuff like that but for the most part it was always you know uh, uh training with barbells training with uh, machines training with cables how like the basically the fundamental principles of exercise exercise. Um, and I'd be a big fan of things like the use of machines and training in a controlled manner and being specific with what we're trying to target and all that sort of stuff. So I would say that, you know, uh, that 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 is most of, of, of my background is that sort of thing. So doing like circuits of burpees and jump squats and jump lunges and stuff like that, that's not really where I, where I come from in terms of my background and exercise. So I want to give you that because sometimes... Like the conversation I'm about to have could look like I'm being defensive of an approach that I like, whereas it's actually not. It's actually more so saying, oh, maybe we should open up to uh, more considerations. So, some of the conversation about exercise choices over the last week, two weeks, you could say, has been that, you know, I've seen a couple of people suggest that if you just start to do things that you've never done, that you're, you know, at risk of injury, and your joints are going to hate you. Like that was one specific phrase, um, and things like that. Basically, kind of like what I see as being placing further barriers in the place of exercise at a time where there's already so many barriers. All right, so you've already got barriers in the way, and what I want to help people to do is kind of break down some of those additional barriers. So, some of the things you may have heard in the past are that. You know, running is bad for your knees. You can't just take up running; your joints are going to hate you. Or you know, doing things like burpees—they're they're bad for you. You know, they're too explosive. You're not used to it, and you've come from a controlled gym environment. And the point I want to get across is that, uh, on average, exercise is very low risk. Okay, like that—that's the uh, the important thing to get from this is that on average, exercise itself is a very low risk thing to engage in. There are obviously certain risks associated with it, but they're generally very, very low, especially when considered um, in opposition to the reward that one gains from exercising in any way, whether it be running, whether it be resistance training, whether it be playing sport, etc. Where risk is higher um, when it comes to injury is generally going to be in cases where there's more uncertainty Um, and like, yeah, it's basically uncertainty, like more uncontrolled variables, for example. So for example, in contact sports, injury rates are quite high. They're much higher than they are in resistance training. And why is that? It's because there's, you just can't control for everything. When you're doing a a squat, even though you're dealing with very, very high forces, you could be squatting double body weight, you know, you can predict in advance roughly the forces you're going to be dealing with, you know that the bar is going to follow a certain trajectory. You know the loads the hip is going to be under. You know the loads the knee is going to be under. And I mean, like conceptually, like not like literally, how many newtons? <laughs> um, do you but not, like you, do you not know that? Oh well, obviously, like, but only for my clients, I wouldn't be giving that out in the podcast. Um, so, <laughs> like, you you know all of that stuff, like roughly. You know what's going to happen. There's very little like unexpected stuff. If someone was to take that. Double bodyweight squat that you have in your back, and suddenly um, someone threw you a big kick to the left knee at the same time while you're squatting. um, Which I we do pretty regularly when we train together. um, You know, the risk is going to increase a lot. Okay, so obviously there's a clear increase in injury risk in that context, right? So that's that's the kind of context here is that the more controlled your exercise is the lower the risk of injury in general okay the more uncertainty there is the more risk there is for like unaccounted forces to come into the equation the higher your risk is going to be okay that's kind of the first um, element of considering injury risk or at least the way I like to have people think about it so there's that uncertainty element how predictable are the loads how predictable are the forces how predictable is the direction of that force etc the second component to that is the one's preparedness for those forces. Okay. So how how many what adaptations do you have? Okay? Because if I was to go out and play a 90-minute game of soccer, all right, at a max effort, I would probably be at a higher risk of injury during that task than someone who plays 90 minutes of soccer every week, purely because they're used to the demands of that task. They've exposed themselves to the changes in direction, um, to the passing, to the tackles, et cetera, many times. And hence they have developed strategies to mitigate risk of injury, whereas I wouldn't. I'd be kind of improvising. I'd be exposing myself to new challenges, um, et cetera. So what you can see there is that adaptation comes into the equation. you know, And this is one of the, th- the reasons that when we discuss technique, for example, as it relates to to injury risk in the context of resistance training, what we always say is that it really depends on like how you view the organism. Do you view humans as having the potential to adapt or do you view them as being kind of static systems? Because if someone has been moving in a particular way for 10, 15 years, then it's, it's, it takes a much larger argument for me to try and change the way that person is moving than if it's a total beginner. And I see them making some very obvious things that we could clear up really quickly. Um, so they're different, more nuanced conversations about, do we actually change this person's movement? Okay. And that's the foundation for this. So we've got that question of uncertainty. We've got that question of uh, preparedness. And then we've got the actual application that I want to bring this to. And that is, if you're a resistance trainee, someone who has primarily been training, you know, with machines, with barbells, etc., are you putting yourself at risk by doing th- like plyometric type movements, explosive type movements, whether it be clap push-ups, or burpees, or jump squats, or jump lunges, um, or running, um, and, and in general, I would say no. Okay, and the reason I say that is because one, my assumption is that most of you listening to this podcast are probably smart enough at this time that you're, if you're gonna do some burpees as part of a workout, you might do three sets of ten. You're not gonna do a thousand, okay? You do a thousand burpees, you're you're not gonna be thankful for it. You know, you're first gonna be, of all,
1: you're you're an animal if you do a thousand burpees. You're also sick, yeah?
0: <laughs> yeah. Like like that would be a, a serious performance. Uh, but like any time that you you are introducing a new task, you have to do it in a, an intelligent way. You have to kind of gradually expose yourself to that task. But the other thing that you know both Paddy and I have discussed many a time in the podcast is that. The way we kind of view resistance training or the training that most people do to dress up as being this big deal, it's mostly GPP. It's general physical preparedness. So if your training has been so ineffective all this time that you're unable to tolerate a jumping lunge, like, man, like like what, what's been going on, you know, like the purpose of resistance training is to increase your capacity to, you know, produce force, to absorb force, um, and to do so in a comprehensive manner. And obviously the specifics of that depend on the type of training that you've been doing, but ultimately you should be pretty, you have, you should have a good base to be able to expose yourself to these new tasks. And that includes even running like, yeah, of course, it's going to be new. It's going to be novel. And I would not recommend that you go from zero to 10K, but going out for like a two or 3K run to kind of start exposing yourself to some running, you shouldn't be concerned about whether or not that's going to damage your knees. Like, I mean, you've been putting, like if you've been squatting and you've been deadlifting, you've been putting a hell of a lot of force through your knees, through the cartilage, the meniscus, the bones, etc., for many years. And if we view the human in terms of like potential for adaptation, um, and that's not always the case. Like you can't infinitely adapt, and injury can occur, but you can you you can adapt to these stresses over time. So like the way the way I want the way I want people to start thinking about this is that you know what there's probably not that much risk associated with introducing these kind of novel movements, provided you do so in a smart manner. You know, one of the things you have to think about is that. What have I not exposed myself to before, you know? So for example, if you have always been doing um, lots and lots of quad training, but you've never done much hamstring training, and now you go and do max effort sprints, like I wouldn't call that smart programming. You know, so if you're thinking about doing things like that, I wouldn't say it's a great idea because you're going to be hammering your hamstrings um, in an exercise where they're working through a pretty large range of motion at very high forces in an explosive manner, um, and that that just wouldn't generally be be very wise. So, smart principles of programming always come into this, even if it's just doing a circuit in your bedroom. You know, if you're bringing in burpees, what you have to think about is what is the what are the demands of burpees? Okay, so one of the things that's norm that's um, one of the quality of Qualities of burpees, you could say, that would be novel compared to what a lot of resistance trainees would do, is that yeah, there's a there's a there's a general kind of challenge on a lot of muscles on the front of the body. But one of the specific things is that there's going to be a hip flexion challenge. So you're going to be pushed into hip extension, meaning that your hip flexors are going to have to work quite hard um, as you do more and more reps, and you absorb that load at the bottom. You're going to have to you know produce or, or absorb a lot of force. Um, through those hip flexors. So, if you have never trained them, then they're going to be quite sore. There could be a higher risk of injury there. So, again, novel tasks, you do so in a manner. Okay, so you expose yourself slightly, um, and you get a little bit of soreness, then you expose yourself a little bit more, and then you'll be adapted as the weeks go on. Um, so, that applies to basically any of the tasks that, that you're thinking of bringing in over the next couple of weeks. But the main thing I want to get across to people is that you don't need to view yourself as being like fragile just because you're beyond the, the the doors of the gym where you've always trained in a really super slow constrained manner. You know, if you've always been very particular about your technique, that's fine. And that's great. You know, more power to you when you're in the gym. But realistically, like, I'm not worried about my clients having to do if they want to do a circuit of, you know, some jump squats and some burpees, like, yeah, it might be a non-specific kind of thing like it's not necessarily the, the best approach for any one component of fitness but i'm not concerned about my clients getting injured or damaging their joints from doing these types of things so i've talked for a while what what do you think about all of that patty
1: yeah like ultimately i think it comes back like we've talked about it before uh, in terms of your your thought process around exercise prescription we'll say we'll call it that you know we have this process of like identify what we're trying to train so identify then isolate it you know again whatever that means in terms of exercise selection and then we have like integrate you know maybe it's a you do oh i need to work on my quad strength So you do some leg extensions and you start integrating that into like oh now i'm gonna do some squats you know i'm like okay i'm gonna make it more of a quote-unquote compound exercise and then that final component is that like improvisation you know and we're at that improvisation stage now for a lot of people, where you're like, "All right, cool. I've identified the issues that I want to, or the qualities that I want to train. I've been training them. I've been isolating them. I've been integrating them into this larger scale movement, capacity, whatever. And now's the time. It's like you—you you should be able to improvise. You know, it should. It, you should be able to bring this into an environment that is unstable and have built up another, enough of that, like general physical preparedness, where you're like, okay, yeah, like my." This is not my normal exercises. There are probably different forces at play. This there's probably you know different uh, demands on my body. Yeah, you'll probably probably be sore or feel some like delayed onset muscle soreness, or potentially even some. Well, I'm going to call it joint pain. You know, um, as a result of you know doing movements that you're you're not accustomed to. You know, and effectively, the the whole process should be a, a graded exposure. You know, it shouldn't be like you said at the start, like you wouldn't just do a thousand to start with, you know, it's just, it's just poor programming. You know, it's just poor, poor thought process, you know? Um, so you would do a graded exposure You'd be like, okay, cool. I'm normally doing, you know, three sets of 10 on the chest press machine in this very controlled, isolated manner. Um, and now I'm out doing some pushups um, and I saw someone doing like a, you know, a clap up, So I'm going to start doing those. It's like, you wouldn't just go in and be like, right. I'm gonna do 50 sets, you know. So like that's just that's just kind of dumb, you know. I'm like you, you should have a graded exposure to these new forces, you know. Introduce them in onto your body. Don't just go jump in the deep end and you know hope that you can swim having never swam before, you know. Um, you should go. Okay, let me just slowly integrate these things into my programming, into my exercise selection, into my exercise routine, whatever you want to call it, and then from there assess how my body has responded because there's gonna be exercises that you're like art oh, this just doesn't fit well with my body I do notice a little bit more pain or whatever from this that's that's fine you don't have to do it you know and um, but there's also going to be exercises that result in pain because you're just not used to them and I, I'm using pain as the uh, the word but like it, it's more so like we'll call it discomfort you know you're like oh my knees felt a little bit uh, of the brunt of that exercise and it's like yeah you just beyond your uh, ranges that you were normally in you know there's more forces and uh whatever at play at those joint structures at those muscles you' you're, you're probably going to feel it the next day you know but it it's not a case of like oh I was doing these sissy squats having never done them uh and now my knees are obliterated you know that's that's not that like that's not likely to happen right and first of all you know you <laughs> you shouldn't just jump into sissy squats having never done them at all. And like hope that your form is like perfect or whatever. It's like, okay, yeah, we can bring these in, but like, let's assess, you know, do a few sets not to failure uh, and then slowly progress that up where you're like, maybe you were using some assistance. Maybe now you're not, you know, it's like, let's expose the joints and muscles and all that to these new forces and then slowly adapt to it. You know, like, that's just good programming overall you know and um, but yeah i, I just want to ask you with this like people are naturally enough and i've said it a few times and I'm, I'm somewhat careful around the words i use but people are probably going to experience some pain first of all they're going to experience some delayed onset muscle soreness like that's yep. that's pretty pretty obvious you should that that should be normal like if you just go for a, a 5k run and even if you're fit enough and you know it was like that that's fine like and you, you haven't done that in god knows how long your calves and stuff are probably going to be a little bit sore. You know, they're gonna you're gonna have some delayed onset muscle soreness. If you start doing, I don't know, whatever exercise that you haven't done before that trains in a new range, especially if it's a, a lengthened range that you haven't been in before, or whatever, it's like you're probably going to experience some delayed onset muscle soreness from that. You know? So first of all I'll touch on that. But then also the the fact that again we are going to be doing these we'll call them random exercises, new exercise, novel exercises, whatever. Um, are, you, are you doing it wrong if you do experience some sort of a joint discomfort, some joint pain, even if you were doing a bit of a, a graded exposure? Like say, for example, the sissy squats, you do the sissy squats, so you're like, I'm just going to do three sets of uh, five, you know, keep the volume relatively low and really just work through it. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, my knees are a little bit sore from that like we're talking about the joint structure itself so again touch on the muscles then touch on the joints
0: yeah so like i mean <clears throat> it's not it's not uncommon for people to feel you know pain in both kind of joint and periarticular around the joint um and the muscle you know so it's it's not uncommon when you do kind of begin something new to actually feel that and that like that's something that you feel more so like if you if you do something like uh really, really long distance running. You know, that's something that I definitely find. It's like, oh my God, I actually feel like my joints are fatigued. You know, it's not just my muscles, my joints actually feel fatigued. Like my knees, like you actually feel it um, relatively isolated to a particular area. Same with uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at times, you know, you'll feel areas around the joint that are pretty specific. Like you could think that it's your shoulder joint, but it could just be, you know, some of the muscles in and around the shoulder because the rotator cuff muscles effectively act as your joint capsule or supports for your joint capsule. So um, there can be many different things that could potentially be um, providing that nociceptive or danger uh, signal, you could say, or that damage signal, you know? So there are different, um, different things that go into that experience. But what I would say to people is that anytime you expose yourself to something new, like it's not just going to be the muscles that experience it. And I think that's something that we kind of miss in the fitness industry at times is that a lot of people will talk solely about the muscle forces, whereas like joint forces can be pretty complicated and joint forces are going to be involved in any exercise that you do. And if you've only been used to um, training your knee, your knee joint to, let's say, 120 degrees of flexion, and now you're taking it to 140 degrees of flexion, um, then that could be something that's novel that leads to that experience that you're describing. Um, The shoulders is often a common one for for people that they experience this. Like, for example, the first time, if you start to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and you're doing like Americana or um, Kimura or something like that, you're practicing basically shoulder locks where you're in the extremes of external or internal rotation. Even if you've done weight training before, that's going to be new. It's going to be a new stimulus and you're going to feel um, pain in places you may not have actually felt it before. So again, it is kind of a question of basically preparedness. You know? It's a case of you have done this before, um, but now you're getting into those ranges of motion. And this is particularly for those people who like, let's say previously, you'd always been real kind of uh, conservative with your range of motion prescriptions as it relates to resistance training. So you're always kind of asking yourself, you know, um, what's my active range of motion. I'm trying to customize my exercises based on the, the range of motion um, that I have available, um, at each joint and um, between sides, et cetera, which is a, a valid approach. I think, um, if you do, if you then if you then kind of go beyond those ranges and you're in new ranges of motion, you're not, it's not just your muscles. It's also your joints that are going to experience, be experiencing additional load or different um, types in terms of like, not just magnitude, but in terms of direction, you know, there might be more, Torsion rather than shear at a particular joint. So there's different types of forces that that, that are involved at joints. So so yeah, what I would say to people, um, without kind of trying to describe everything that's going on, is that this can be normal um, and that it's not necessarily something to freak out about. Because I think sometimes people do worry more about that stuff. They're like, oh, my back is sore, but you know, I don't know if it's a muscle or what is it. You know, or my shoulder's sore and it it doesn't feel like the outside of my shoulder. It feels kind of like the inside of my shoulder. Much like you would treat delayed onset muscle soreness, I would still approach that in terms of, okay, you know, give it a couple of days and we go again, boom, we'll see how it's going. And if it's constantly the same thing, like, no, my shoulder is nagging me and it's nagging me and it's nagging me every time I do this, common sense is better than science in this case, you know, it's like common sense would teach you, right? You keep doing this movement and it's, it's making your shoulder feel like shit every single time, back off for a while. Okay, change the movement, change the range of motion, change the intensity, etc. Same recommendations that we would have for resistance training. So that, that's what I would say is that uh, feeling pain in, in muscles um, or in new muscles or what's perceived to be within the joint, if that is something that you experience after exercise, again, view it as a fatigue related uh, phenomenon. Uh, And then what you can do is come back and expose yourself again, do so in a graded manner. Um, And if if that's continuing to get worse, try to adjust your loading accordingly. So for example, if you went from zero to 10k of running, like don't say, okay, I'm going to expose myself again and do another 10k. Like be smart and realize that, right, your legs were absolutely fucked after that first 10k. You were not prepared for it. So maybe go back and do A 3K and then do a 5K and then do a 7K and then in two weeks again, give the 10K shot again. See if you're a bit more prepared. Generally, you'll find that that's a much smarter approach. And again, it all kind of does come back to your smart training principles, really.
1: Dead right. So to wrap this up, because I'm sick and tired of listening to you, um, people are okay to go out and do some plyometric exercises. They're okay to go out and do some novel exercises. And if they experience some joint pain if they experience some delayed onset muscle soreness that's okay they should just get over it they should just continue with their life yes
0: almost (laughs) just as i said (laughs) but yeah i mean like there is a case for saying as well like that i mean there's an argument to be had about if you've only ever exposed yourself to super controlled stimuli and nothing beyond that, like this period of time could be a time for actually building some resilience. I mean, if you've never done like any, like, I'm not saying burpees are good exercise. Like I think they're, they're just hard and that's about it. You know, (laughs) if you've never done like burpees or jump squats or jump lunges or any of these things, I'm not necessarily saying you have to go and do them, but I'm saying that, they could be adaptations that are actually beyond you, and you're actually not as fit as you think you are. Because I would argue that, like being fit in general, is about having as much capacity um, as possible, and that, that's not just about one area. Like having uh, being fit in general could mean like, like me and you could have an equal level of fitness if we were to average it out where you know you might be more uh, developed in in the strength domain so if we had kind of one of those spider web diagrams you know um, if you you might have like you've got 80 strength whereas I've only got 70 strength whereas I've got 80 aerobic and you've got 70 aerobic and you've got hundred 100 flexibility and I've got 60 flexibility you know so these are the types of things you have to think about and I think if you start to think about your capacity for fitness in terms of that kind of that spider web, um, then you can use this time to say, right, my strength is already 70. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to actually uh, increase my capacity for explosive strength, um, for plyometric strength, because they are fitness qualities. You know? And I mean, there are some unique aspects to exercise um, that when it's performed at a very high velocity and absorbing high velocity forces. And whether or not that's relevant to you, I don't know, but it's definitely relevant, it's relevant
1: to, more- to everyone. What if you need to fight an intruder? exactly exactly you know and and your fucking rotator cuff be like oh i'm gonna throw a punch and not used to these joint forces see you later like i threw that punch missed because my timing is shit as well um and then i just tore tore my shoulder like that's that's awful if you think that you're you're, like you're scared of exercise you're scared of movement i'm like "That's, that's what you're scared of
0: terrifying but yeah no it actually it is it is important though because like we've said it many times but if you're a specialist specialize if you're a generalist, stop training like a specialist, you know, and that's, that's, it's really important to just get that because a lot of personal trainers and, you know, people that listen to this podcast and, you know, people who are just trying to better their lives in general. Like being a generalist is probably a pretty sound way of doing that. And yeah, you can skew in one direction. You you can say, ah, I do like barbell training, big fan of that, you know, want to get stronger, my squat and deadlift, etc go ahead, go and do that. But, you know, keep the other qualities ticking along and use this as a period of time to actually do that. You know, if you're, if you're normally find that running is very difficult to fit into your schedule because, you know, there's, you've got so much load on those muscles already that it's difficult to add more, then the fact that you now have less load on those muscles could actually be a beneficial time to introduce um, some more running. And, you know, you could say that, you know, doing the things like the jump lunges, etc., they can be quite specific to the forces that you're dealing with during running at times. So my point here being that, not to stand up and say that there's any one best way of training during this time, but rather that rather that you should broaden your horizons beyond just three one three one tempo on a machine, you know? I mean, that's fine. It has its purpose, but there there is more to exercise than just that.
1: Yeah, I view this time as everyone is effectively upskilling because they're just adding more tools to their toolbox now and they're understanding exercise at a much more fundamental level rather than thinking of it as purely like Bench press is chess training, you know. And we have lots to add. So, uh, where can people find us? Where should they find us? Etc. Blah blah blah.
0: Yeah. So get involved with the triage meth community. Free Facebook group. Just get in there. There's no reason to not be in there. It's free. Make your life better, and your life is worse by not being in there. So if your life is shit, join the Facebook group. I mean, it's as simple as that, really. You know, newsletter, as always, uh, goes out every Sunday. You can get involved below subscribe you'll get your email it'll include an exclusive post slash article from us recommended resources and all of our content that we've put out throughout the week um, in addition if you are interested in home workouts then in that email we'll have included uh, that will basically have a uh, free home workout list so exercises you can do sample training programs etc um, I'll probably just put it in next week's email again anyway so if you haven't subscribed just subscribe and you'll get it there or You can find it in the triage method community, the free Facebook group. If you'd like to uh, get involved with any of our services, obviously, you know, we have one-to-one and group online coaching. Um, If you just like to take this time to learn more about the training process, like you want to just sit down and, you know, read a nice little book that covers most of what you need to know about setting up training and nutrition. The beginner's guidebook would be recommended during this time, Um, our program templates you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, you could buy them, but probably better to wait until uh, you have access to a gym again to really avail of, of the benefits of using those templates. Um, and then, yeah, support us by following on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, especially YouTube because more stuff goes up there that is novel in terms of uh, exercises that you can do in the home and in the gym if you have access. We have a full exercise library that's open access um, and lots of other archive videos. So um, that's just about everything.
1: Dead right, Gary. Right. I have nothing else to say except it is too easy, and I hope everyone is safe. And like this is going to come out on Thursday. Like it's Sunday now, so who the fuck knows what has happened in the meantime between Sunday and Thursday? We could be dead. Who knows? You know. Yeah, so, yeah. <coughs> yeah. yeah hope yeah, everything man. Man. in the future. Um, I hope uh, the world hasn't collapsed in the future. Um, and I hope everyone is well and healthy. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the week. Right. Peace out.